to Eject Rejects. Oh, God. Welcome to our double feature Halloween special. I'm Ian. I'm Forrest. And I am Jacob. And uh, today we are doing our double feature, which was based off of a Facebook poll that we had to all of our fans. And Kids in Horror was the choice that won at the end of the day. So that is one of the themes that we're going to be investigating. Other themes involving these two films is going to be... uh, as for so aptly put, orifices and things coming out of them, holes is a little bit more apt in my opinion. Uh, and then also Canadians? Canadian orifices. Can- Canadian, Canucks. sure. Yeah, Canucks, yes. Um, coming of age a little bit and also love, I think, as well. And specifically the two films we're going to be talking about is The Gate from 1987 and then The Hole, which was... Made in 2008, released sort of in 2009 through 2012. So it's anyone's guess what you would label as an official date for that film. <laughs> okay, so with The Hole and The Gate, we're going to kind of break these two down. We're going to talk about The Gate first, then we're going to go into The Hole. Um, I'm going to give it off to Ian in just a few seconds here. But um, just a little bit of preface. Preface? Is it preface or preface? preface? I say preface. Preface? Preface. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I thought, correct. too. I okay. A little bit of preface, preface. <laughs> Both of these movies have very similar themes. And our hope here is not to do a complete and total versus which movie is better, but hopefully a suggestion for all the people out there that want a spooky movie for this coming Halloween. Something to sit down with kids, and overtly the, the theme was kids and horror and we took that in two parts we took it with kids facing terrifying things and horror films for kids like a good gateway horror both these would no be no pun intended ah oh, shit the gate hey. uh, i didn't even oh man there was no be... actual gate in that movie i was very upset it was a gateway well we, we we'll don't get it. into it there was no we'll actual gate though well, no there was they literally said it i'm talking about a physical uh, uh, like a castle gate <laughs> the open and closing gate like a castle's gate don't look at me that way Ian, take it and run take go on take the money and run ooh, ooh, ooh. all right so uh the gate was my choice uh when we narrowed it down to this specific uh feature this is a film that i feel has actually a fair bit of a cult following it's definitely getting a lot more attention as of late and i think it definitely deserves it uh, as we alluded to this is a canadian film it was directed in canada it featured canadian actors uh well i don't know if the actors were canadian all of them at least but uh the whole there wasn't a whole lot of canadian actors it was it was filmed in it was a film that in... came out of canada um in terms of actors and actresses there's really only three ones that are of any import to the gate the first one is a uh, Tiny Steven Dorf, his first performance in his career. The Blood as, God. As Glenn, he went on to become uh, La Magra, the Blood God, or before then Deacon Frost in Blade, which he's uh, the most 90s sounding villain ever in existence. And then we have uh, Krista Denton playing as Alexandra or Al, who is the older uh, sister to Glenn, played by Steven Dorf again. And then lastly, we have uh, Louis Tripp, who is um, Glenn's best friend and next door neighbor, Terry. And he looks like the drummer from the Black Keys. I'm just saying, look at the character, look at the drummer from the Black Keys. Go on. Yeah. (laughs) And it's really about these three kids and essentially all of their parents are either not in the picture or they're away on uh, vacation. And it's them just hanging out their house. And there just happens to be a, 
a hole in the ground because at the beginning of the movie, they uh, the dad tears down this old tree in the back, and underneath the tree there just happens to be a gateway to hell or dimension to hell. They don't really... It doesn't matter. The point is, is none of the parents are home, and it's about these three kids having to deal with all the spoopy stuff coming out of the gate and trying to close the gateway to hell before the apocalypse happens. And, and that that's the film. That's a very simple premise, and it's great. And what this film does right, and we're going to touch on this again, because both these films, being The Gate and The Hole, do something very similar, just different decades and different styles, that the kids in this film are great. Um, they are their own nerdy, little, geeky, whiny kids. They act like kids. Um, they're not incredibly mind-boggling, like, frustrating like a lot of child actors are especially mm-hmm. glenn in this being a younger kid he does a really good job of portraying his emotions and what's what he wants to convey with these emotions especially when he hangs out with his friend terry who is the best part of this movie as far as just character wise for for your brain purposes over across the way on the other side of this speaker terry is this tall linky kid wearing pretty much what all like cool 90s kids would wear with their denim jacket and the, the patches he's these really thick thick glasses and he loves heavy metal but he looks like a total dweeb yeah, he's this he's this total dweeby spastastic kind of kid that, that really mm-hmm. likes likes metal and stuff he's the nerd who adopted metal basically yeah and yeah. he's adorable it's a nice yep. little twist on Love tropes it. that you yep. usually don't see um so that's that's something I really took from this film. Um, yeah, and something something that Ian had mentioned to me, and then I noticed it throughout the throughout the film is that they got. I think both movies did a good job of it, but this one specifically, they got kids right. The way that kids would act in these situations that they're put into, the relationships that they have with each other, with with the siblings and then the older the older sister Al with her friends and then Glenn and Terry together they just they got their they nailed the relationships in the most realistic sense that they could and I think they did a good job with that which helped the movie be more enjoyable because you could then relate to how maybe you would have reacted if you were in that situation yeah, and touching on with that too, like what one of my favorite scenes in this film is is when Glenn and Terry they think that they've taking care of the situation about it's like half an hour into the film. It's not very far in and Al's not familiar with what's going on. This is where things start to go crazy or before things start to go crazy. And Al kind of goes into the backyard and she's like, what are you two doing? And then Terry just looks dead faced at her and just goes, we accidentally someone de- we accidentally opened the portal to hell and demons are coming out. And he just says it's so straight faced and, and, um, just earnest about it, really, and there's not not any type of like, well, you see, uh, or or try and line or anything. Like, yeah, this is what happened, and we fixed it. We think, and I was like, okay, that's interesting. Like, it it, it just is the way that it was done was very entertaining to me, um, which I liked a lot. Um, I do want to mention also the director of the film as well, since we didn't do that. His name is uh, Tibor Takach, I believe. Uh, T-I-B-O-R and then last name T-A-K-A-C-S so I apologize if I mispronounced that last name Um, other stuff he did he's really only done Sabrina the Teenage Witch from the 90s and then he also directed the sequel to The Gate which is just called Gate 2 which I've never seen I briefly looked at it just to see what the synopsis was and apparently has to do with Terry 
continuing on and summoning another gate to hell or something like that, I hold no interest in seeing it, to be honest. Keeps popping up on my suggestions on Amazon Prime. So my my interest is peaked, but I don't know if I'm going to dive in for sure. Don't want it to soil, soil the first one with them trying to just beat it over the head with it because well, that's what most franchises do now is beat it over the head unfortunately there's a select few that really rise above that that beaten crop of cream <laughs> yum 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 oh but yeah it uh, i don't know where i was going with that <laughs> go, go ahead you were, were you gonna <laughs> jump off of cream or beaten 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 cream <laughs> anyway um <laughs> moving on from this so without me getting into too many spoilers involving the gate because we're going to do that after our commercial break as usual and we also go into detail about the whole as well um one of the things i would definitely stress about this film is it is a great gateway horror film again pardon the pun but I feel like there's a not enough horror films out there nowadays that are designed to introduce people who might be curious about horror or they want to learn more about it, but they don't want to have, you know, shitting their pants on the first viewing. Like, don't get me wrong, I love the alien and I love Thing, but or Alien and the Thing, I should say. I moved the I moved the article around. That was weird. Anyway, <laughs> um, but th- those are not entry way films. It's going to make you or break you. The Gate, on the other hand, and the Hole are great examples of films that you can introduce to your kids that are maybe a little more curious about stuff. Trust me, they can take it. Just let them watch it. Um, or, you know, if you've never watched horror films before, these are both great films where they're, they're, they're scary, but they're not really, at least not in my opinion. They're more, they're not about the horror. They're more about the story, especially in the Gates case. And I think that that's something that should be stressed, which is why I think they're both great double features to watch. Um, either because you just want a spooky double feature to watch or you want to introduce people to make them work their way up to watching Alien or The Thing or, or Hellraiser or whatever you have you. Poltergeist is another one I can think of. Yeah, and, and speaking of just the aspect of horror in these films, I really wanted to jump off with Gate as well. For Gate's horror, there's a huge difference between PG-13's now and the PG-13s of the 80s. Oh, there's yeah. there's no blood in this. Um, there are some scary parts, there's some imagery, but it is the the horror rotates around the heart and soul of the story and the characters, like Ian suggested. The, you're not here for the horror. The horror is the situation that this, this group, this unit, has been thrusted into. So I really liked that it is a horror film, but it is not at its root a horror film. I mean, if you were to take the horror out of it, there's not much to the film there besides just its overall message. But it's one of those films that we talk about a lot where it doesn't try to break through that box. It makes its own little home, and it has this nice little niche, and you can't move it from there because it it cements itself with these characters and the visual effects, which I'm surprised we didn't jump off with, the visual effects are really cool. The claymate or the stop motion claymation, this to me is a little hit and miss with it's, some of it's the... not claymation for us. No? no, that's not claymation. claymation oh, it's is the... an entirely different thing. Oh, it's thing. the dudes in the rubber suits. Well, I thought the, the giant monster was that's stop motion. Stop motion and claymation are very different things. Well, no, no that's. You can still use them in the same aspect, though. It's stop motion and claymation. No, stop motion and claymation are entirely different the way that they're done. 
claymation is physically taking a clay model and then moving it imperceptibly in between <laughs> shots and piercing and it all together. That's also stop, stop motion. motion. No, stop motion is matting something in over on top of an existing thing. Really? Yes. Look it up. Uh, uh, I, don't, shit, all right, I don't know. Glad I'm not the only one that's kind of scatterbrained here. It makes me not feel alone. Um, <laughs> no, just I, I wanted to make it clear there's no claymation in the in the gate. <laughs> this is not chicken. This is not chicken run. Any waham. <clears throat> well, it's like I, Ray Harryhausen stuff, though. That was stop motion claymation. Okay, I'll look it up further. Moving I, on. Stop motion is where you take a thing and then you move it slightly up and then you click again, move it slightly up, you click again. That's <laughs> your. And you're making it look like one cohesive thing. That's claymation. That's stop motion. Okay. Because <laughs> you're stop, uh, click, stop, click, and then when you put it when you put it all together, it becomes one big motion. We're gonna move past stop it. motion. Anyway, the <laughs> the point I wanted to get get out to, I did want to give a little bit of a warning. This movie is from the '80s. There are a couple things that are dated. So if you're not comfortable with people using the f word that is a gay slur just yes. be forewarned that is that word is used a lot in this movie it doesn't it, it the, it's from the 80s the 80s were a different time it's still a good film i just i like to get those warnings out there to people because i don't want that to take i don't want them to be like surprised by that and have that take away from the film because it's a good movie not to justify it but it's kind of fun that a lot of that comes from the kids like glenn he literally calls one of the um the party goers the fag word yeah yeah it it just it it might come as a shock to some people and if you don't want your kids to hear those words too then i would say be careful it is a good kids horror movie though just be forewarned that those words are used and they are used as insults but it does not take away from the fact that it's a good movie and, you know, we've come a long way since then in that specific regard. Nor is it the focus of the film. And really, I think, no. again, it, it, it's a product of its time. And quite frankly, it's because especially during the 80s, if one that grew up during the time is familiar with it is, you know, the, the whole so many films during then, they always have to have that case of the not gays within the film. Like these two male characters, they're not gay for each other. It happens so many times. And that's kind of how they use it a lot in this film. Um, not saying it's okay and it's very ham-fisted, but it's not the focus of the film, but you also have to understand that it is a part of no, it, like it, you said, Jacob. it's yeah. just used enough to where it could come up as shocking to someone if they're not ready for it. Like, some of it, like you know, a couple times we were like, oh, geez, that came out of, like, nowhere. <laughs> okay. But we we moved on with it. Something else I wanted to mention for us is you were talking about how you feel like the gate, if you took out the supernatural elements of the film, there wouldn't be much there. Um, I actually disagree with that. And and the reason being is, and I've said this before, and I don't think all horror films need to follow, or, or any film for that matter, but mainly horror films need to follow this format, if you will. But a lot of times horror films that work for me is if you strip out the horror elements and you have everything left behind, it can still work on a structural level. Um, as a drama or, or a comedy or whatever it is, right? And I think The Gate is an example of that because The Gate ultimately to me is about a coming of age, um, growing up, coming of age again, and then uh, love themes, right? There's a lot of themes of love and cohesiveness between these three kids, and especially in the case of Glenn and Al, Al is 16 years old. She's she's getting older. She wants to be cool. She wants to have parties. She wants to become popular, a good boyfriend, and all that stuff, right? And she's separating herself from Glenn as a result, and Glenn is still holding on to that, and he wants to continue to be 
his older sister's best friend. And none of that is supernatural, but that is the glue that holds these characters together. And then that's how they ultimately use to deal with the threat, right? So you take out the supernatural elements, you could still make it a coming-of-age drama yeah. about that. It would just be a I, lot I just, more boring. Well, I was just thinking about sure. more of the plot. Like, the plot is predominantly the supernatural. Like, going back to a huge example that we used in season one being Overlord. Like, that ultimately was a horror film, but it was the action was the plot. The, the horrors mixed in with the the plot. So I see. Okay, that's so that, fair. That, that's more of the, the, the standpoint I was on. Th- this is an amazing movie, though. Um, when I first watched this, I don't know what was going on with my brain. I, I didn't like it as much. Um, I No, I never hated this film. But watching it again with these guys, um, it's, it's fun. Um, I have a hard time really picking it apart, nor do I want to. Uh-oh. I can, I can, I can, I can pick it apart just a little bit. I, I want to just, you know, I, I do like this movie. They're just two, two big problems I had, and they don't take away from it at all. But number one for me, it was a little bit of a slow burn at the beginning. Sure, it, it took a bit to, it took a bit to get the ball rolling, and but once it did, then it was fine. Then it was gung ho with everything that happened. The, the, the second and probably the most, the biggest weird thing for me was the editing style. I feel like some of the cuts that they made, going from scene to scene, it was almost super... It was like they didn't give enough time for the previous scene to simmer with us before moving on to the next thing because it was just like, oh, okay, this next thing is happening now. Because like, it's like, okay, they fought they fought this this thing or they, they, they fought this thing and it's during the day and the, you know they get through the little problem they had with it. Cuts... It's immediately nighttime, and then without even giving time for that specific scene to get anywhere, something starts happening again almost immediately when it jumps to that next scene. It's like, oh, okay, well, why why, why did you not give it some time for them to eat dinner for a bit? No, it's it cuts them eating dinner, and then something happens, and it's like, oh, shit, things are happening again. I think maybe it's post-production. Like, there, there could have been scenes in between that that they just had to cut out, but... And you were correct. There were a few moments where things happened, and then we're we're right in that next scene that they were just discussing. And some of the weird fade outs were odd. Like there's one scene where they're in the house, and then they say, "Oh, we need to go confront this thing." So they go outside, and there's this like fisheye like display where it cuts. It almost seemed like a circle, PowerPoint like, animation that yeah, you use in high school. Like a Looney yeah. Tunes circle kind of appears. I'm uh-huh. like, oh, that was. I mean, that was quick. But if you're paying attention, like that, that was odd. But other than that, I have no complaints about it. It's just like they they maybe needed to, and I know I said the beginning was slow, but they needed to slow down the edits a little bit. Maybe like they need to let if they need to let those scenes when you're when you're starting to get into the meat and bones of the movie, you need to let the scenes play out a little bit to give us time to you know take in literally what just happened before before you jump into the next thing and you start you know pushing more stuff at us. Fuck you. And I slipped in. <laughs> Well, if we're talking about things that that didn't work or could have been done executed better within the gate, my thing was is is we mentioned these three characters, and and really that's because that is what this film was about. There are other characters. There are a number of other teenagers that are friends of Al, which really pursues that element. The fact that Al is wanting to grow up. Glenn doesn't have any other friends other than Terry, and Terry doesn't have any friends other than Glenn. At least not any that really matter to the film. And they introduce 
in particular, these two sisters, and I can't remember. The Lee sisters. The Lee sisters, yeah, which are basically Al's best friends. And then there's also kind of a male love interest that kind of wants to be Al's boyfriend. And then there's a couple of guys as well, which I think are supposed to be the Lee sisters' uh, boyfriends or, or or just guys. Anyway, the point being is, is these other characters are introduced, and in particular the Lee sisters, they are in a fair bit of the film, but they're just kind of there to be irritating they don't and, do anything. And, and and argue with with glenn and terry in particular glenn um which ties in with the fact that it demonstrates that um opposition that al has between staying true to her uh younger brother and then their model rocket obsession which is a huge part of the film which we can talk about as well and now or part two either way uh or and then her growing up the reason why I bring it up is these these sisters they're there and they see some of the horror that takes place and then there reaches a point in the film where you can I I just can't look past the screen and anytime I'm in a movie and I immediately go okay this is the screenwriters or the director or the editor going okay we need to find our way out of this hole that we've dug ourselves hey. into a hey. and we need to get rid of these characters Boo, I just got that <laughs> I literally just got that Boo, my brain's going like. <laughs> My brain's going about 25% speed right now. I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. Boo for that. I, I'm Jacob's sorry, but you guys. was so unamused. I, I love Ian, too, because his face was even better. Like, his jaw jutted out. He's like, ah. it, was, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> anyway. The Lee sisters, they get introduced, and then they're there for a large part of the scary stuff that occurs and they see everything, but they don't have any impact or agency in what occurs. They're just saying they're screaming. And then there reaches a point where I just can tell that the creative team just goes, Oh crap, we need to get them out of here because we ultimately need to focus on these three kids. Uh, they, they just leave. And <laughs> that was where I went, okay, you know what? They could have done something where they're there. And then there reaches a point where, because Al does make that decision, that she does choose the love of her family and the love of her brother over wanting to be the cool hip kid, which is great, and I love that. But they could have done that earlier before all the spooky stuff happens. Like, she sees something weird that's happening that Glenn and Terry are dealing with, and that's when she makes the decision, not drag her friends through stuff for the next 20, 25 minutes that doesn't really do anything to the plot. And honestly, in my opinion, weakens the bond that could be further developed with these characters. So that was my biggest issue with the film. Do I think it ruins the film? No, it was just a little bit of a fumble. Like they kind of dropped that football and managed to kick it up in the air before it landed all the way on the ground. Well, and now those two Charlie girls, Brown. those two girls are now scarred for life in that, in the, yeah, and they never resolved in that. this universe. These two girls are going to go on for the rest of their lives thinking people are going to think they're fucking insane because the three people who can validate them don't want anything to do with them anymore. And they're just going off with those guys saying, those monsters were real. And, you know, what drugs are you guys on? Oh, and then th these two girls are going to be locked up in the psych ward for the rest of their lives. And, and it's all Al's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and circling, uh, going back in time just a few moments ago when I said that there's nothing I can really pick apart this film, I hated those sisters. <laughs> I hated them so much. Like, well, that's yes, the point, though. They're a supposed point. to be irritating. Well, yeah, totally, but one of them literally had the something about Mary hairstyle. You know, that scene with Ben Stiller, and he's creaming the crops with the beet and the meat and the... Lotion. In the lotion, she and then there's some in her hair, and she looks really goofy like a cockatoo with a little... Whoop. 
Or wait, was it lotion? That was literally one of this girl's hairstyles. And it was throughout the whole entire film. There was one moment when she was like waking up and I figured, okay, cool. They're all being woken up from their slumber. Maybe she won't have the the hair spray in her hair and it won't be so crazy. It was like, who sleeps like that? She looks like someone from an 80s hair metal band. Well, this is the 80s. In case you didn't realize for us, this movie was made in the 80s. The, I know, the, but... The party she, scene especially, that was what was so funny. It was is, like a giant cowlick on her face. Again, the 80s. <laughs> I, I love the 80s, but there's certain things that did not do very well. well. That's one of them. Mullets well, is another. So my headcanon then should make you happy. They're going to spend the rest of their lives in a fucking psych ward. <laughs> and that should bring you some weird type of joy. <laughs> And her hair will forever, forever. I said, her her hair will forever. I can talk. Be stuck in that position. In fact, all of the rest of her hair will probably fall off, except for that front part of her hair, where it will just be up for the rest of her life, while she's screaming about small, tiny hole demons. We're making fun of her, but it's probably some sort of like weird genetic disorder. Uh, Maybe it's covering a lump. The whole demons, they're coming out to get me. There's more I want to talk about the the gay, but we need to move on to the whole before we get to our commercial break. So, yeah. um, going back, the whole. So the whole came was filmed in 2008, came out between 2009 to 2012, depending on where you are in the world. Mm-hmm. I believe actually its first actual wide release was Italy of all places, which is interesting. But this was also another Canadian film. It was filmed in Canada, I should say, and it was directed by a favorite of Force and ours, Mr. Joe Dante, the director of Gremlins and Gremlins 2. And uh, my personal, uh, not a personal favorite, but one I really enjoy is Inner Space, which is another Joe Dante film. Yeah, this guy was part of my childhood with Gremlins, Small Soldiers, Piana, soldiers, yes. um, the, the Howling. This guy was part of my childhood, and I loved seeing another film with him in it now this is a smaller budget film there's a few things i wanted to talk about particularly about joe dante and making this film i have a hard time i I see that it's a joe dante film but it definitely feels like he's maybe been like his his steam as a director's he's lost his touch a little bit petered a little like a, a lot of directors from the 80s maybe have like the first one coming to mind to me is um the thing director um john carpenter john carpenter yes i i love him to bits but his newer stuff isn't great and he's just kind of stopped now he's just revamping and re-editing his music with his wife and i love that to bits he still does the music for the halloween movies too mm-hmm. yeah yeah well, we, cool. I mean, without getting too much into john carpenter unfortunately a lot of john carpenter's history has to do with the fact that he's just consistently been fucked over by hollywood and he just got sick and tired of dealing with and he's like i'm out i'm done with this but we're not talking about john carpenter as much as i'd like no. to yeah Joe Dante, so he did this film. It was on a decent budget. It was $12 million. It got $10 million back, so this was a flop. This is another film that is kind of hard to find. A lot of the DVD releases are for different regions, so you have to pay a little more. Not necessarily the amount of money that we've talked about previously. It's I think I, for my DVD copy, I paid about... 25 or 30 which isn't that bad but for an older film i would have hoped it was a little cheaper um the kids in this film i just want to kind of crop through them there was three main kids in the gate and there's three main kids in the hole as well these three kids um are played by some decent enough actors chris mcgillis uh dane thompson is 
the kid's name and his brother being Lucas Thompson, played by Nathan Gamble. Um, a these these two brothers they just move into the small little sleepy town with their mom because they're kind of sort of running from something. They they hint throughout the film, but don't really give you solid details till the end. Um, and then the girl next door type trope comes along with Haley Bennett playing Julie Campbell comes to the picture. She's really hot. And the, the big hunky new kid is like, Oh, she's really hot. And so there's a thing. And then they discover a giant hole orifice in the bottom of this new house. Covered and by they, an evil dead style to uh, evil dead and evil dead Two style cellar door. <laughs> yeah. They, they look inside this hole and madness is, ensues. That's, that's pretty much it. Both these films have very straightforward premises. It's all about the the characters themselves. The kids in this are definitely your 2000s type kids. They are really predictable as far as I am testosterone and you are female and blah, blah, blah. I'm brooding. But there's some good brother-brother interplay. There's some good girl next door who's kind of cool and sassy interplay. Some of the acting isn't great, but the, the, the character dialogue to me is fun um and i'll i'll leave it there i'll kind of brush it aside sure so the one thing that the whole i think gets done really well does right and there's a lot of things that the whole does right but if there's one thing i have to point towards the whole just like the kate is it does get kids right it focuses more on teenage kids versus the whole or the gate is more about preteen kids and, and turning into that versus in the whole it's the younger brother again and then his older brother, but his older brother is clearly older, more angsty. He's very emo, going back to the early 2000s kind of thing. And then he's got the hots with this girl and everything. But they get that right. And the dynamic, especially between Lucas and Dane, I thought was very good, especially in their brotherly perspective. And um, actually, I'm going to circle over to Jacob on that because no, I'm, you, I'm you trying, called it and I, I was, thought it was great. Go I ahead was, and name the trying, movie. I was trying to give you the... Do, do you want me to... Well, okay. uh, I... Go for it. So I I had made I had noticed a comparison if or to uh, the movie Zathura, which yes. is a it's a Jumanji esque style film. I think it's actually set in the same universe, or it's supposed to. It was be done by the same guy. It was done by the same guy who did Jumanji. Same by the same by the same writer the, who wrote the the book. It was the okay. same novelist. But it had very hardcore Zathura vibes to me with the way it was shot and the way the brothers interacted, and it was just something I pointed out while while watching it. Yeah, in a lot of ways, I feel like the whole is, this might kind of ruin the story a little bit, but to me, the movie was like Zathura meets It meets Chucky meets Evil Dead, kind of emphasis on It and then Zathura, in my opinion. So I think the film gets the interplay between the main characters, the kids very well. And one of the examples of it, and it's also just because I did not, growing up, I did not have a very good relationship with my younger sister. Like we were kind of horrible to each other. I'll be upfront about that, especially me because I was the eldest and watching the way that Dane was interacting with his younger brother in this is I went, Oh my God, it's just like with me and my sisters, they're constantly throwing shit at each other. Dane is kicking poor Lucas underneath the table telling him to shut up. He's constantly insulting him, which is, again, very much like Zathura. And it's Mm -hmm. about they have this sense of enmity at the beginning, and they eventually become, you know, 
two peas in the pot at the end as well, along with Julie. And I liked that about the film a fair bit. I thought those were good. Do I think the individual acting performances were effective? The guy who played Dane, um, he was a lot like, uh, I can't remember the name of the, the actor's name, but he, I compared him to the actor who plays the main character in Streets of Fire. I just yes. can't remember the name of the actor. Oh, Michael Pena. That's what it was. No. Anyway. Not Pena. He wasn't. It was different. It was okay. Mike. It was Michael something. Either way, anyone who's go listen to our Streets of Fire um, video and then comment on our Facebook on what the name of the director was so I can remember it because I can't remember <laughs> at the moment. Anyway, the point being is, is he was very wooden a lot of times. Michael Paré. That's what it is. Oh, yeah. Hey, Michael Paré. Paré, yes. Paré, yes. yes. I, was, I was getting there. This my... guy seemed very greenhorn, just like Michael Paré did. And it was very much like, what emotion is he feeling now? Can you tell? Well, because I can't. Like like Forrest had did earlier, he, he, did, he did an impression of the brother, and Forrest had way more emotion in that little five-second impression than the guy who played Dane did in the entire film. I will give the writing credit, though. I feel like yes. the writing maybe surpasses the film as a whole, while in the gate, everything kind of rises to the top. I keep, I'm keep i really on cream right now and just butter are you, making. Are you, yeah, are you making cheese over here? What are you doing? I am the cheese man, sir. Are you, mm, are you lacking dairy in your life right now? Do you need... Do you know Forrest? He's need never lacking cheese? dairy. He gave me a dirt. You, you, you give me dirty looks twice. Do you need to just either throw something at me or stop it? <laughs> okay. Why do why do not why do cows do not have toes? Why? Oh wow. Why do cows do not have toes? Yes. I don't know. Because they're lactose. How was that a proper response to "Do you need dairy"? It was a lactose joke. I get it, but like, why? How is that a? Pro- it's a yes or no question. I would have so, gone and got you some cheese. The the main kid, Dame Thompson, he also is in Circa de Freak, the 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 Vampire's Apprentice, which was another shit, two thousands kind of kitty horror. I like film. the books, and he was also terrible in that, if I remember it correctly. He doesn't have a lot of whole lot of expression. He's that typical model of. Justin Bieber-ish, long hair, kind of bland, fishy face. And that's that's it. Like, his character, I thought, was interesting. The performance was crap. Now, his little brother, um, Nathan Gamble, uh, playing Lucas, he was great. He mm-hmm. was funny as shit. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was good. Very good. Yeah. His, his first scene that shows them off as brothers, where he just... I'm going to ruin it, but he just chucks the basketball right at his head. Like, that... I died died laughing and even that that was just a little bit of a physical performance and it was hilarious it was very real it was very natural the way they're there it really demonstrated the relationship at the beginning Mm -hmm. some of the um the play between these two was the best part in the movie like when they were um experimenting with the whole it was this very throwback scene to suburban horror in the 80s this film as a whole but especially this one scene where they're the throwing um, buckets and flashlights and they're putting video cameras in this hole that is seemingly at, like bottomless. And I thought that was really fun and interesting. And that was cool interplay between those two characters. Once again, that's 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 all that this main character can do though is seem like a big older brother. When there's any sort of emotion that needs to come out of him, he looks like a flounder. Yeah. <laughs> a flounder, yeah. So... 
slight change here on topic, talking about the whole. So there are two actors that I always get excited for whenever I am watching a film. And they're both basically character actors. They're unfortunately no longer with us. But whenever I see them in the film, especially if I'm not expecting, I get very excited. The first one is Bill Paxton. Whenever I see Bill Paxton, I always, I'm like, hey, Bill Paxton. I just, I, I like Bill Paxton. And the second one is Dick Miller, who is like one of the best character actors of all time. He has been in so many B films and it's great. And another film I watched recently, which is another great Halloween pick if you're wanting to watch just schlocky B movie horror is Chopping Mall. He's also in that too. But um, Dick Miller is in this film for all of... 15 seconds at most. He doesn't most. even say anything. He's a pizza delivery man that drops off the pizza. Um, Dane picks it up and literally slams the door in Dick Miller's face without him saying a single thing. But that's a Joe Dante staple because he always has Dick Miller in, in all of his films, at least all the ones I'm familiar with. He's also in inner space as a taxi cab driver at the beginning. And it's just fun. Whenever I see Dick Miller, I'm like, thanks, Dick Miller, for stopping by. There's your hundred bucks for you. this role. You know, <laughs> We miss you. I would also like to just make one more comment before we potentially go to commercial. I, Dane, Dane, uh, the, the the man who played Dane Thompson, I'm, Chris Messagilla. Chris, I'm gonna call him Chris. I'm gonna, I'm That's gonna, fine. I'm gonna one on one. I'm probably with, killing. I'm gonna one on one with you here, man. When you eat food <laughs> in a movie, chew it and swallow it. Do not take a bite and chipmunk it to your cheek and then start talking to people so we can see what you're eating. Either take the bite, chew it and swallow it real quick, or just fake the bite. Because good lord, watching you dribble on while while there's pizza hanging out of your fucking mouth. God, I wanted to slap you. I wanted to slap you in the cheek so it would fucking fall down your throat. There's three scenes where he's three. eating. There's three. Yes, there three is. Three times There's this three. happened. And maybe it's because this guy... Oh, what if it's like... <laughs> apparently, if there's something wrong with someone's face, I just assume it's a deformity. Maybe he's just got like facial paralysis. Because so he has like, no emotion. He's like... Like, like Sly Stallone? Like, did he have like an issue when he was... I mean, birthed? probably. I mean, like, <laughs> this like, is horrible. But man, no. like, eat, eat he, your he was, food right. I mean, we're 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 definitely ragging on him. He was fine. It's just he was the main vehicle of this movie. So unfortunately, we're allowed to pick on this kid. Yeah, it it's it's something that you accept when you take a leading role in a film. Yeah. Um. And I think with that, we're going to hop into the commercial portion of this show. And uh, when we come back, we're going to start comparing the two and their holiness and how they did it differently. Stop staring at me like that, please. Um, And we will be right back, guys. Love you. Welcome back, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that quick little commercial break. Um, and we are going to just hop right into it. We're going to start comparing the two films. And obviously we said that they're both movies about holes and stuff coming out of them and kids and all of that. Um, but we're going to get into more of the meat and bones of it. And Forrest, Forrest gave it a weird look, so I'm going to kick it to you, Forrest. Stop! Jesus Christ! Never. Yes. Okay, so one day I'm going to bring a squirt gun, and you guys cannot get mad at me if I hit the equipment when I'm shooting it at you anytime you say that. Say make what? It a, make it a Nerf gun. 
the thing of which I do not need to repeat. For for us, well, we say one, a lot of things. One seems to think that you seem to be having a bone to pick with us at the moment. That's fine. That makes sense. Can we meet you That's somewhere? Actual in, can thing. we meet you somewhere in the middle? Or do you have too big of a bone to pick? You just did that. Oh, I sound like Bracho Man Randy Savage, brother. No, I'm Hulk Hogan. I need to get my WWE Ram dudes in gear. Or is it Raw? See, now I'm trying to upset you, Jacob, because you're the huge wrestling person, and you're not paying attention to me because you currently are holding a kitten. I know, he's so cute. He's so cute. Look at him. Those of you who are fans of us, I have two new kittens named Mike and Eve, and Jacob is cuddling the orange doofy one known as Mike. I I was. I let him go now, though. He was struggling. He was done. It, It was a snuggle, and then it became a struggle snuggle, so I let him go. So both of these films we were talking about comparison being the kids in horror. There's another theme in here besides Canucks. That being that the orifices in the ground with both <laughs> these films. Um, one overtly saying it is literally a gateway to hell and demons come forth. Particularly this this demon and his little tiny men in costume followers. And then in the whole we're made to assume that it is a gateway to hell but manifests our our greatest fears and it's about these individuals trying to confront these these two holes and grounds and i'm glad you brought that up for us because i think ultimately at the end of the day that was my greatest issue i had with the hole in particular is the gate has a very clearly defined villain it has very clearly defined stakes and it makes sense what's going on the whole doesn't ever do that for me and i think that's its greatest failing is they never really explain and and just as a to make things clear i don't need everything over explained in films honestly a lot of times i prefer that things are left vague at times but there's a difference between just doing the exposition dump to say oh this is why this is going on and blah 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 versus showing us and making it clear to understand and the issue I had with the whole was that at no point I feel like there was a clearly defined antagonist or villain. And a lot of things happened where I was like, okay, is this a force of evil that actually has a goal in mind or is it not? And this is where I feel like where I referenced the whole is like Zethra meets it is the whole focuses on the concept of your fears manifesting and you have to combat and over and, and, and get over your fears, right? Okay, fine. But unlike an it, which is based off of an entity that manifests that, the hole is just literally a hole in the ground that does this. But it's not an entity. It's not, at least it doesn't portray it that way, but it kind of, it just, it was very muddled for me, I guess is the simplest way to put it without me ranting on. And, and that was hard for me because it made me not really care as much at times the the, the rules weren't in place that's actually a good way of describing it It is especially in horror or any fantasy i don't care what your premise is and what your world is but i need to understand the rules set behind it what its limits and what its abilities are and when you don't do that and it's just like it can just do whatever that's where i'm like uh, it's hard for me to quantify it and understand it if that makes sense If we're comparing it to It, it definitely has that thought process of something that's manifesting your fears, although the It had the personality of the clown. Um, In this, 
it was the whole itself was an entity, but didn't have a personality. Its personality came from knowing the kids, which you can argue is not an effective villain. And I totally and completely. I mean, what agree. was his goal though? What was the whole point of it doing everything? And that's though? what I was about to go into. Okay. The goal for the gate, whether it was simple or not, is not the point. The point being that these monsters in the gate had a goal. They wanted to take over the world. That's it. There's, there's no character to that, but there is a defined goal that they lay like pretty straightforward in the film when we start realizing the weird, ooky, spooky shit. With the whole, it's a weird translucent between the gate and the hole where, for the hole, for me, the goal was like the main focus of the film of the kids trying to stop this invasion of hell and hell on earth and monsters. While the whole, there wasn't a goal, but if you were to take out the whole itself, there was still drama there because the drama and the action and the 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 competitive nature in this film came from the kids facing their own fears, which typically manifested through their own trauma, which can still make a story later down the line. So as far as the story, I like the whole better, but you were correct. As far as something tangible to hold on to and bite into as far as the divining force, the gate kicks this film in the ass. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think, so So with with the whole, yeah, it's it's pretty vague on on what its overall goal is, but, but we know how it works, whether it's by watching it or by the guy who looks like Doc Brown explains it. There's a, there's a guy creepy they meet. Creepy Carl. Yeah, Creepy Carl. They meet him. He was the former resident of the house and they go and see him and he explains a little bit to them about how this kind of works and he, he doesn't outright explain it from... Yeah, he doesn't outright explain it but he says oh my god, you opened it. Well, then it's heard you. It's seen you. Like, it it knows. So, my interpretation based on just that little brief description by Creepy Carl and everything we've seen is that it basically needs to just hear it needs to it, it is the the whole itself is an entity of some kind that just produces your worst fear and it can and then your worst fear can come in and out of the hole as it pleases to torment you and bring you in but you're right there's no there's no overarching goal for it in the end except i i don't know i think it's just anarchy Maybe is it is it the goal? It's just to cause chaos. It's to destroy the people that look into it. Why? Uh, that's it's that's evil. The movie. It's <laughs> it, it, it's evil. That's that's why. And I think it just has to come down to preference because I think anyone who's listening by now is pretty familiar that I'm I'm more of a structure guy. It's second character person as well. Those are my two big things I focus on with movies and and the whole structure was was lacking or at best baseline at times. I think that was my biggest issue with the movie did that mean that the movie was a flop for me no not the end of the day i just feel like it didn't fulfill its full potential and and you're talking about you know crazy what was his crazy name? carl crazy. living in the old abandoned glove factory yeah which we made this wonderful joke that the reason why this town is podunk and the factory is abandoned because all they produced was michael jackson's one white glove and then the factory <laughs> immediately shut down after doing its one and only job yeah which Anyway, that's not that is I mean, not canon. That's not canon. That was just. Nor us do you have to laugh. It's just you're we're we're allowing you to come into the the minds in the living room of the eject rejects. Um, welcome. There's no exit. It's like Mystery Science 
Theater 3000. Yeah. But lamer. (laughs) (laughs) This is like Mystery Science Theater 2. They they had a bunch of... Oh, yeah, like Dr. Forrest? Hey, I'm Forrest. That's as close as... Okay. His his name was... Meat and Bones. (gasps) (laughs) (laughs) But but Crazy Guy, who was living in in Glove Factory. Crazy Carl. Crazy Carl. The... That was really underutilized and underdeveloped, and it was it was like the only reason why they had it was because they needed to movie the, the movie to get to ninety minutes, and it was barely ninety minutes. It was either way. The point being is to get to full to two a, minutes, I think, to get it to a feature length film, is because feature length films typically you know you need to get to about eighty minutes, you know, hour twenty minutes, whatever. Is it's like they just needed to add stuff to stretch it out because they did not have that clearly divine thing that they could build off of or, or whatnot. Right. And that was where the movie, I think kind of took its turn for me where I went, you know, cam getting a little, this movie's getting a little dull. Like what's the point of this? Why are we doing this? So on and so forth. I think that was when the movie started to take that downturn. Cause I was really invested in the movie until that point. And then when they go there, I'm like, okay, they're going to, they're going to talk to doc Brown. You know, he's going to reveal stuff. I was thinking, Oh, it's going to be a, a demon. Then he used to be the slave. And that's why he ran away. Cause he broke free or, you know, it's something like that. And then he doesn't really give them any, any proper information that actually advances the plot or makes it interesting. I feel. And he basically says two things. He flips out, he kicks him out. And then they don't even focus enough on the one weird thing about him, which was the fact that he's surrounded by lights. And I think that was supposed to represent because the whole, because I don't know whether it's an entity or not, but the whole essentially manifests their worst fears. And the fact that Crazy Carl is in this room that's completely coated with all these light bulbs makes me assume that he's afraid of the dark. But they don't define that, therefore I can never prove that. Therefore, what was the point of doing all that? What was the goal? What was the point? And I think that was where I was struggling with is they had a lot of interesting things in there, but they didn't explain it or, or establish it enough for me to understand if that was the point or not, and therefore confused me and therefore muddled the movie as a whole. Well, both, oh. <laughs> both of these movies kind of flopped when they were piecing the puzzle together. Like for me in The Gate, when things needed to happen for these these demons to come out of the hole and make their presence on earth certain things needed to happen and a lot of things that were happening were very like happenstance coincidence like levitation blood sacrifice um um, and then animal and then so a lot of that Mm. i thought was was like the pieces falling into place were a little weird for me and then for the whole uh, ian's giving me that face that i usually give him you can go f- you can go before me man if you need to really okay. get this D- out so but let let for finish no, 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 finish go for first. It. okay you're wrong and here's why <laughs> <laughs> they do establish it because they established that for the record that terry's because terry's really into that one band that's only released one record and they yeah. all mysteriously disappeared and that record is what they use because they rewind the record backward which is such a thing during the 80s with the satanic panic and i like the fact that they made it that it's this demonic metal band and they're actually the good guys and they're using their record to spread the message of how to stop the demons by running the record backward, which is a direct counterpoint to during this time period when that was occurring. The point being is, is this band, they establish in the what's called the Dark Book, um, all of this information is stating this is part of the ritual to raise the demons. And the kids are inadvertently doing all these things without realizing that it's causing the gate to be opened and unleashing the panic. So there was a point to all of that. No, no, no. The, the- 
that's what I thought was goofy. I knew there was a point to it, but what I'm saying is that all that, like you said, happenstance. I thought that was weird. Like that to me was the slowest oh, point when they okay. were going over the rules to unleash the demons. You were correct. It happened for a reason, but the reason was, oops. So okay. that to me was the, the goofy part. Like for the whole, there was none of that. It was just them trying to figure it out. And so the, the weird lull was going to the creepy Carl's place. And he, I mean, he gave them that, that one book, which gave, give us that, that shock moment near the end where it kind of pieces the, the puzzle for some of the trauma for the main character. But you, you were correct. Like creepy Carl was just a, a block for, where the movie wasn't necessarily important, just like the stupid sisters in the gate. Like, the, the three main characters in each were pretty solid acting aside. The relationships were good. The, the secondary characters in both of these films, I think we can argue, were hit and miss, for sure. Sure. I <clears throat> So, the comparison that I would like to touch on between the two is the way they handled... Like, the way that the characters handled defeating their respective holes. Um, <laughs> and it's the, I know it's a weird way to put it, but, like, that's that's what they do. Their fears. So, <laughs> right. Well, in one case, in the in the Gates case, it's demons, right? Yeah. So, they, there's a there's a pretty, there's an A to B, just, you know, like, like Ian likes. There's an A to B, let's defeat this, and they do it, and... You know, some problems happen along the way, trials and tribulations and all that. But eventually, in the end, it gets it gets done, right? That's a good Star Trek episode: trials and tribulations. <laughs> How, actually, one of my however, favorites. it's tribulations, but yes, I feel that's what I was saying. I feel like in the whole, they're given an out almost immediately because so okay, we can assume right, Crazy Carl. He's already been through this. He lived there before. He, yeah. he locked it, right? He's gone. He's had no issues till then. He was fine. He was this crazy guy living in an old glove factory with his, with his, all of his lights and Michael Jackson's old glove factory. And the glove factory and drawing pictures, right? He was fine. Everything was fine. So we can assume that he dealt with the, we can assume from that that he dealt with the issue. He figured out a way to, to you know, he built the, the door over it. He locked it and he was fine. Why didn't they just put the locks back on the fucking door? I think what it was, or go was, buy, or go buy new locks because thinking that, that would have solved their problem. Well, they 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 nailed it down and it just slowly creeped out the nails. I think either it was a mismatch in the movie where it just isn't going to talk about how this old dude dealt with the hole and just locked it up and it was okay with him, but it wasn't okay with the kids locking it up. But maybe well, he did deal with it. Maybe he did defeat it. He locked it up and he moved. And then when the kids came back, he's like, oh my god, it, it's alive again. And then that fear came up once again. And that's me trying to come up with something. I'm not saying that the I, movie had it explained in it. It didn't. No, I, I feel like the locks were a solid solution to their problem. And, you know, granted, yeah, we wouldn't have had a movie after that. But I just feel like their specific situation because he even told them, he goes, put the locks back on that door. Put the locks back on. Like, he was telling them to do now, that. Were they magic locks? I mean, who fucking knows? Who knows? But he, obviously, if they were magic locks, he knew the spell. Like, because he did it before. I just feel like there was, they they had, so the whole had had an actual solution to the problem and someone who told them how to do it. Like, they but they took the hard route to do it. 
in the Gates case, they had Terry's knowledge on all of this and him being such a fan of this kind of stuff that, you know, but, but that's the thing is they listened to to their knowledgeable person's advice in the gate. They did not listen to their knowledgeable person's advice in the hole. And that bugged the shit out of me because it's like, you're literally putting yourself through all of this because because you don't want to put the locks back on or you just refuse to? What is your fucking problem? I I don't know. That, that was a humongous pet peeve I had that their problems seemed so easily solve, solvable and they, they went through all of, they jumped through all these hoops to jumped through all these hoops, jumped all in all of these holes just for their problems in the end to not completely, they, their problems ended up not being completely fixed as we saw from the fucking ending of that. The humor's got not getting any better with these hole puns. No, they're not getting a whole lot better. We're just going to keep on shitting them out. Yep. But I'm glad that you brought up um, the ending and how they defeated everything, Jacob. So, I want to talk a little bit about how both of these movies end in comparison to them is because they're both very much tied in the themes of both movies and both of the movies are similar is and what I want to focus on here is the theme is the concept of love and coming together to defeat mm-hmm. an overall evil. Okay. So going back to the gate. So I alluded to it in the first part is there is a very big element in the gate about that. Uh, Glenn has this obsession he's really into space and model rockets he's always wearing a nasa jacket his room is plastered with all these rockets and 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 all this nasa stuff and that's how he and al have bonded over the past is they like to shoot model rockets and they establish at the very beginning that there is this gigantic model rocket that's basically the size of him that like no kid outside of the 80s would be allowed to fire off because it's basically the equivalent of probably like an RPG rocket in today's world is because not not safe the point is and he really decided to shoot it off and Al at the beginning goes oh you know, I don't want to deal with that anymore I'm, I'm older I'm, I'm done with that and they establish in it that Glenn has a hidden present for a birthday for Al that is we're assuming is coming up relatively soon and inside it is a specially designed a launching system that doesn't require a match to launch this big model rocket. I can't remember what they call it. It's called the the Thunderbolt or something like that, right? It's, it's thunder something. Thunder. It's this yeah. big ass. It, I mean, literally, yeah, I, kid, I kid you not. The size of this rocket is the size of fucking Stephen Dorff in this film. It's huge. It's like three feet tall. Um, and he throws it away because he reaches that low point with Al, where Al's done with him, and moves on. He throws it away. The reason why I bring that up is that's very important because that's how he defeats the Demon Lord at the end, is because of his reconnection with Al. And as Terry describes, going back to what you were saying, Jacob, is listening to the rules that Terry has discovered is one of the things that Terry discovers by reading the Dark Book in this record is that the only way you can defeat the Demon Lord is by a concentrated surge of energy derived from the love and strength of the people facing the demon. And literally, that's how they defeat it, mm-hmm. is Stephen Dorff is by himself. His friends have been taken away from him. He thinks they're dead which it turns out they're not at the end. And um, he takes the model rocket, and as he lights it and fires it off, he says, Happy birthday, Al. And he shoots the rocket at the demon. It goes inside the demon, and then the demon blows up, and then everything goes back to normal. And that's the installation of everything that builds up, and it's very effective to do that. In comparison, the whole is about the connection between uh, um, Dane and Lucas, right? That's the big connection and their family history involving their abusive father. 
right? And that is Dane's fear, and that's how his fear is manifested from the whole is their abusive father who's in jail. And the reason why they've been moving around everywhere over the past few years is because they're constantly trying to evade their father trying to find them and their mother. And that's why they move all the time is they're constantly skipping states to get away from their father. So if he gets out of jail, he doesn't come finding, he doesn't come looking for them and can't find them. And then that's how that ends is Dane defeats the whole manifestation of his demonic father because he's grown up and he wants to protect his younger brother's process. So they both have very similar endings in their structure. The way they handle it is different, but that's something I think that is really strong on both of these movies. And I do have to applaud the whole for that as well, because that was a nice, clear demarcation throughout the entire movie that I enjoyed. I think the gate does a little bit better because they established that through the entire plot line versus the whole, that's something they don't really reveal until the very end, which I understand is part of the plot too, but I feel like overall the gate was more successful in that regard. It was easier to grab onto because I think sure. we established that the the threat in the gate was much more. It was just solid. It was more concrete, more solid matter. So it was just easier to comprehend. Not to say that the whole is a complicated movie. It's just they play their strengths differently, and that's fine. I did like the ending to both these movies. I, I think these guys may disagree, but I really like the ending of the whole where. Lucas gets basically abducted by the manifestation of their really demented, gross-looking hunchback dad and brings him in this hole. So Dane rushes into the hole and jumps in to save him. When he gets in, it's like this Tim Burton-style look at what you would assume a demented, if not distorted, version of a kid's version of living childhood would be like. Like pictures of his his family and um dad were like gross and distorted the the kitchen table and the uh the closets were huge like you would be looking at him when you're a little kid but obviously he's not now so that that imagery i thought was really cool little tim burtony it got kind of goofy when the big huge dad starts hitting the walls and the walls literally look like rice paper just splintering kind of shattered that that illusion that it was trying to come across, and I really liked the ending big bad monster in the gate. Like, it was glorious to look at. The it Demon was Lord was awesome. So cool. And I I think both of these movies do a really good job for portraying this, this overarching love that defeats the evil. And I also wanted to mention a funny little story that I had with my son Van. So... Recently, um, my uh, my son just turned seven back in February, so he's coming up to eight in just a few months here, and I've been eking him into horror movies and board games and tainting his mind and all that fun Again, stuff. Again, it's okay for your kids to watch horror. Don't be a wuss about it. Yeah, they can handle it. I mean, it. he's seen the original Pennywise, and he loves Tim Curry. You'll flow too. So there you go. And I showed him this movie. And I was like, okay, buddy, it's not necessarily a scary movie, but there are some themes that either may go over your head or the whole. I showed him particularly the whole. He has not seen the gate yet, although one day hopefully I would like to. Um, and I showed him the whole, and he loved it. He loved the crap out of it. Now, if I showed him the gate, I don't think he would like it as much. Although for an older adult audience, I think the adults are going to gravitate towards more the gate, and the kids are going to gravitate more towards the whole Van liked it. He wasn't scared through the whole entire thing. He kept saying, oh, I thought you this. I thought you told me this was scary, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, okay, whatever, but I, I get it. And he did really good throughout the whole entire movie. So later that night, I was putting him to bed, 
and it was about 12, I was still watching a movie, and he's he's been to bed for like three hours now, and I'm getting up to the uh, the TV and turning something off, and he comes up behind me and says, I'm scared, and I like shit in my pants, I like turned <laughs> around like like not knowing what's going on, he says, the hole, <laughs> and he just looks at me and he whispers the hole. <laughs> And it, it, like, made me shit my pants. Yeah, that sounds like Van. That definitely yeah. <laughs> sounds like Van. So, yeah, That's great. Th- there you go. Little little story. Um, circling back to a little bit what you were saying there. So, first off, in regards to the the dreamscape part at the end, how it got kind of Tim Burton style, um, I will agree with you. I actually did not mind the parts when they were focusing on the fact that Dane is viewing everything in this view in this fear of his father when his father was still around and he was a young kid and everything was like over proportioned and his dad was this big hulking monster and everything. I thought that was very effective and I enjoyed that. Where I had issues was they did that, but then they added on that Tim Burton style you're talking about where everything has got odd angles and the perspectives are all shifted and it got very again, Tim Burton y. Like if you've seen the remake of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which is a fucking nightmare as far as I'm concerned. It's just terrible. Is is I, I'm over the Tim Burton style. I'm I'm over it. I'm tired of it. It's it's I'm done with it. And that was when that was focused on more versus the oversized kind of stuff. That's where it got a little bit too what? Anyway. Moving on from that, but you're talking about the Demon Lord. I do want to give kudos on both of these movies in regards to some actual effect-based stuff. So um, the Demon Lord was really cool, one of the better stop-motion creatures I've ever seen because I really paid attention to this minor things like the breathing of the Demon Lord. The movement was actually very uh, crisp and fluid at the end of the day and very realistic-looking. The way that the Demon Lord actually picked up Glenn and, and interacted with him I thought was really neat. So I enjoyed that a lot. The little minion demons... Mm-hmm. They really did super awesome with forced perspective in this film, where there are scenes where the demon minions were played by actual actors in rubber suits. Mm-hmm. But because they're like a foot and a half tall, they use forced perspective just like they did in like Lord of the Rings and such with Gimli, right? Yep. But they did it in such a level that you could have... It wasn't two separate shots that they spliced together. They actually had the kids like leaning up against the door and stuff. And the demon minions running around, but the way they did it, it clearly looked like there was a huge difference in the size between them, even though there wasn't. And it's seamless, and it's super cool, and I really appreciate that. Moving on to the whole, where I mentioned earlier that the movie has some Chucky elements, is Lucas's fear is of clowns, which is a little Pennywise as well, too. But he's afraid of clowns, and he's afraid of dolls. And his fear manifests as a demonic jester doll, which is very poltergeist-looking as well. But that doll was practical, and I'm sure it was an animatronic or just a puppet or something, but the way they handled it, and then merging in the CGI bits when it's running around chasing them and stuff, mm-hmm. that was that was very good. And that was a legitimately creepy scene. I went, oh, that's that's cool. You know, I like that. I'm into that stuff. That's weird and creepy, and that's where I felt like the whole was really succeeding. It was I felt like there was a clear intelligent threat for sure they they did they did really well with the whole doll and creepy child aspect thing i yes so while i if if you know if i had to give the edge in my personal opinion to one movie the gate is going to get it i I think the gate's just an overall better film not saying the whole is bad i just think the gate is better in my personal opinion but what the what the whole did well is that it, 
you know, it it was a, I think it was actually a scarier film. In if you're talking about which movie is scarier, I think the whole is scarier because of their use of the dolls, because of their use of the children, which dolls and children are the thing where I'm noping the fuck out. I I I noped so many times while that was showing and I think they did a good job of being just a more scary film to me. So would you recommend these films one or the other or both as a double I would, feature? I would re- absolutely watch this as a double feature. They're they're both you know, there's about what there's about twenty years separating these movies. So it's good to see a very similar style of film two decades apart and I think you need to watch them like in the order that we did. We watched uh, the gate first, then we watched the whole. I think watching them as a double feature is is a good idea. I don't know if you have three hours. Yeah, watch them in one night. But if not, you know, watch one, watch the gate the night before Halloween, and watch um, the whole on Halloween. Like, but you need to watch them back to back in some facet. But yes, absolutely recommend. These are both good films gates a little better but i think they're both good i think we all agree on that too the the gate is a better film but i would recommend both of these for the whole i liked seeing the manifestations of their fear like the main guy his dane his fear was his dad and then lucas his fear was um dolls and uh clowns so it had this really creepy little puppet thing that reminded me a lot of Joe Dante and Gremlins. It was throwing stuff around and giggling. That was fun to see. And then um, more complex, the the girl's fear was the fear of losing her, her friend when she was younger and this huge freak accident. So I, I really like that, but ultimately I feel like these films are really good together. They're fun to watch and they're fun to compare. Mm-hmm. So just emulating what these two have said as well as I, I would recommend both of these. I think I feel strong, more strongly about the gate as a recommendation over the whole. The whole is looking at the whole by itself. What I recommend as a watching, whole. yeah, what I yeah as a whole. If the I, whole as a whole. If I if I was looking at the perspective of watching the whole entirely by itself, then I would probably give it a very lukewarm response, or maybe not even a full recommend, just because the film is muddled in a lot of points which is hard for me to look past as a double feature though i would recommend both these together for all the reasons we already talked about i think they're very effective at both of what they're trying to accomplish they have very similar themes which i enjoy a lot i think the gate is more effective and i like more but they're both very good they were enjoyable and i didn't regret watching either of them now are you married to that opinion and holy matrimony All right, I'm, uh, this will be my last, last episode of Eject Reject. <laughs> Not really, but damn you. <laughs> Meat and bones. Josh, <laughs> I'm going to bring a water gun. Do, bring a Nerf gun. Less messy. That's the point, though. I want to deter you from saying it. Yeah, but I don't want you to ruin the equipment we have. Honestly, my spite knows no bounds. On the next episode, we're jumping off of our <laughs> Halloween special, and we're going back into our closing episodes of Season 2. I believe that we're going to be doing Episode 10 next time, and that is going to be a pick of mine, American Tale 2, Five O Goes West. Got to get my kids' animated film in there, guys. This is a film that I grew up on, and that's what we're going to be talking about. And 
yeah brother jacob really quick yes um and i i just wanted to give a quick thank you jesus microphone i want to give a quick <coughs> i can't do this god i want to give a quick thank you to everyone who has subscribed to our patreon you really are great you're fantastic we love you and you're appreciate hot. you yes you're you're hot and you look smoking today is why you you are just beautiful today you look at yourself in the mirror right now you're just you're great Okay, now back to and, us. And, and um, so, and like we had mentioned at the beginning, this episode this episode was specifically picked by people on our Facebook, because we did a poll on there. So, if you would like to be a little bit more interactive with us, maybe consider going to the Eject Rejects Facebook page. We also have an Instagram just consider going and following us on those. We'll be, we're going to get more interactive with people and... Yeah, just go follow us on social and consider subscribing to our Patreon to get things a little bit early and to uh, be more involved with stuff. And we do yeah. written reviews on Patreon and stuff like that as well. Talk to us. We're lonely. We are. We're lonely boys. All right, everybody. Thank you for not ejecting these rejects. I almost fucked up, but I did it. But, woo! Have a happy, have a happy Halloween, everyone. <laughs> have a happy Halloween. In his defense, he has been drinking. Happy Halloween, guys. Bye-bye. <laughs>